this episode, I talk with Ben Scribbins, the president of Fright Rags. We talk about the origins of Fright Rags, horror movies, and more. I had a killer time talking with Ben. I hope you enjoy this episode. After you're done with this episode, make sure you check out my fellow horsemen of the podcast, Apocalypse. Everything Went Black podcast. Into Necrosphere. The Necromaniacs podcast. Break the Apocalypse. Iblis Manifestations and the Soul Knox podcast. All right, Ben. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brandon. I appreciate it. Also, thanks to Alex, our uh, mutual friend here that hooked us up. So that was really awesome, Alex. Pretty fucking awesome dude. So Yeah, Alex is a great guy. I've known him for quite a long time now. He's a great dude. Yeah, I think I've known him for maybe uh, two or three years now. I, I met him when I was doing the Hard Wolf 666 uh, website and like doing reviews and everything like that. And um, me and him crossed paths with like a broke horror fan and stuff like that. So really solid dude and really awesome and a hell of a motivator. And like the stuff he does is fucking killer. So, oh, I know. I've been loving the VHS releases and everything. And he's doing a lot of great stuff. Yeah, I got a. I got a really killer Mandy collection VHS wise because of uh, Broke Horror and um, Witter Entertainment. Like I got some really awesome like big clan box versions of Mandy. No, <laughs> we got like three three different versions. Oh my! I'm God. a bit crazy about that movie. So that's wild. Yeah, and also another underrated uh, uh, Nick Cage movie, uh, Willie's Wonderland. I got like a big ass version of that, like the big box version that I had like fight for because it sold out in like ten minutes. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. I can't wait. To, I, I've been meaning to watch it, and it's just it's on my watch list, but uh, just haven't seen it yet. It's really good, and I think when it came out, it, it came out in the middle of the pandemic, if I'm not mistaken. So a lot of people kind of ignored it and watched Tiger King instead. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so they're kind of missing out. It's really cool. Um, I don't think Nick Cage says one word in the whole movie. It's all like him doing his crazy physical stuff, you know, and it works really well. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I definitely got to check it out. I loved uh, Mandy and Color Out of Space. That was Color Out of Space was the last movie I saw in the theater before COVID, which is kind of funny. Yeah, that makes one hell of a double feature, too. Like um, Mandy's my favorite film as of right now, and it's been that way since it came out. Mm-hmm. It um, kind of dethroned like The Exorcist and uh, American Werewolf in London for me, which is a hard thing to do. Wow. Yeah, it's a bold <laughs> yeah. statement. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, i'm fucking mandy is like everything and uh yeah color out of space is really fucking awesome too and they have like a similar uh color palette to it so it'd be like yeah. a good double feature that's true that's true so yeah so yeah man um i just saw that you have uh the new uh crow design out for fright rag so that's really fucking cool thanks yeah it's uh our second or third collection that we've done for the crow um I mean, I love that movie. It's just a classic. It's just fun to be able to work with it, you know? Yeah, that's in my top, I would say top 10 all-time favorite movies. The Crow never leaves that top 10, so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be up there for me, too. And it's funny when I, you know, I came out when I was in high school, so I, I have, like, this nostalgia around it. And every time I watch it, it takes me back to that time period. But in, in a great way, I mean, it's just, but it also just stands on its own, and it's, it it doesn't never feels dated to me, you know. It never feels like it is of its time, and I don't know. That's a hallmark of a great film to me, but um, it's uh just so well done. It really is, and um, that soundtrack too is like top notch. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, that was a that was a good period in uh in time for uh 
movies and everything. It, it had that like grungy look to it, you know, really dark and just kind of nasty. We don't really have that anymore. You know, I kind of missed that part. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And it, it felt so, um, I don't want to say lo-fi, but it almost, I mean, it felt independent in a way, you know, like there, I mean, I, I don't know if it was classified as an independent, an independent film or anything, but it just, it felt almost like a little DIY. Like it wasn't like glitzy in terms of like, you know, CGI or trying to be something it wasn't. It was just straightforward. I don't know. There's something, there's a, there's definitely an element about it that just, that is just perfect. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And that was just something like uh, that came out of the nineties too. It was like a lot of that stuff had that dirty kind of almost, you know, the VHS feel being that, you know, it was a VHS time period, but I don't know. There's something dirty and gritty about those like dramas, like the horrors, the thrillers and all from back then that we don't have now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, like seven and even like Fight Club and there's a certain there's a certain palette, you know, uh, and style that that definitely pervaded in the, the in the 90s. Definitely. Um, so when you came up with the uh, when you got the whole crow uh, line on fright rags and all how, how did you reach out to the artist did the artists reach out to you or how's that work um so it, it's you know we work with a lot of different artists um there's a few uh there's a few that are kind of exclusive to us um osborne justin osborne and kyle crawford uh are exclusive to us when it comes to like you know at least horror shirt designs um so we always want them to do something osborne had done one for us before um and uh, so that wasn't part of the new collection. But um, and then we had this, you know, like, for example, the one we did that w- the, for the new collection that we did that was based off of Frank Miller's Sin City style. We used Jeffrey uh, Blossomin, uh, who's a great like comic book type artist. Like he does other styles, too. But I've always loved his ability to sort of capture a lot of different comic styles that I liked growing up. Obviously, Frank Miller included. But there was like Jack Kirby and classic illustrators and things like that so you know the thing is you know we have the rights to the movie the crow we don't have rights to the graphic novel that it was based on or the the series comic series by james o'barr so Mm -hmm. if we wanted to do something comic themed we really couldn't cross over into that realm i mean someone had commented like why would you take someone else's style and not just use the the you know the comic series well we a we can't (laughs) you know we couldn't (laughs) and b i loved the Frank Miller style, that stark contrast, noir, black and white. And it just lends itself to something like the crow. And it's a clear homage. We're not trying to, you know, we weren't trying to copy like a James O'Barr thing and make it look different. Or, you know, it was literally trying to be like Frank Miller. If Frank Miller did the crow, the movie as the comic book. So it's a little bit of a couple steps removed, but I just thought it was a cool idea. I mean, with something like the crow and other properties that are, that we've done a lot for, you just got to start thinking out of the box. Um, so in most cases, you know, when it comes to us doing something for a property, we're the ones reaching out to the artists and the people that we want to work with that we think could lend their style to what we want to do and then go from there. That's cool. And I, I think with this design too, you really nailed the feeling of the nineties and the, like, we're just talking the dark grittiness of it, you know, I think you really nailed that with this line. So. Thanks. Yeah, that's I mean, that's always the point, right? Like you want to make it fit the property. I mean, once in a while you can really stretch it a little bit. I mean, take a character like Michael Myers, who's so iconic. You can you can at this point you can have fun with him. You know, I mean, you can do the this the the 
the stuff that we've you know we've done a ton of you know straightforward Halloween designs, but you can also have some fun with that character because he's you know he's just iconic. So you can step out of the the norm a little bit, and uh, I think it's acceptable. Yeah, definitely. Because um, like I said, he's been around so long, and there's many different versions of Michael Myers and stuff. So yeah, you can definitely do some things with that. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna go take a question back a little bit, go back in time. How did uh how did you start Fright Rags? What was the origin story on all that? So, I mean, it it started in 2003. So we're celebrating our 20th year. Um, and it it kind of you know sometimes I say it started in 1981 because that's when I saw Halloween for the first time, and that was my first horror movie experience. I saw it. Um, it was a network television premiere on Friday, October 30th, 1981. And I mean, I was only four years old and I, I watched it at a friend's house. It was a, we were at a party. It was a family friend's house. And uh, I was just by myself because I was bored and my parents were off talking to their friends and my brothers and sister were off with their friends. And I just sat in front of the TV and on came this movie and I just watched it and it was Halloween. <laughs> and, um, you know, so I was, I, I've been a horror fan since then. And, you know, I was always been into design, even when I couldn't articulate what that meant when I was younger. I was always drawn to branding and marketing. And um, like I was a skateboard kid. I mean, I was really a BMX kid, but I was into the BMX and skateboard culture. My friends were skateboarders. So uh, when I would see the logos and the brands like GT or Airwalk or something like that, you know, it Paul Peralta, Bones Brigade, you know, it. All that stuff spoke to me in a way that I always wanted to create something, but I never did. And I wanted to be a comic book illustrator. I wanted to be a, a musician. You know, I'm, I'm all of these things. I want to be a filmmaker. You know, I, so mm-hmm. I went to school starting to be a filmmaker. Well, I went for illustration, quickly switched to filmmaking, and then dropped out so I could play in my band with my brothers. And then I went back to school a couple of years later for graphic design. And that's really when I, when I fell in love with the ability to create art that communicates and you use text and imagery and things like that. So I got my degree in graphic design and started working um, at a local company here called uh, Roadwire. We made laptop bags. I was literally the third person hired and I I did all the marketing collateral, uh, print stuff, web stuff, product photography. I got to do a lot of stuff, which was great. And it got me a lot of experience, but I was kind of bored. so in 2003, and this is before, you know, I had gotten married. I mean, my, my wife, or she was my fiance at the time, we were living together in an apartment, but we didn't have a house. We didn't have kids yet. So we had a lot of time. And I just started coming up with ideas of what could I do? What, I wanted to create something. And I was always on forums that would, um, uh, like with people, horror fans, but also forums where people made stuff like masks and you know, Freddy gloves and all these things. And and a good friend of mine, we became a good friend of mine, Justin Mabry, who had a forum called Night Owl Forums. He was one of the best mask makers in the business. And he and I became really good friends and talked for hours all the time. And we were the same age. So we had a lot of similar experiences. And he actually went on to form Trick or Treat Studios with Chris Zephro. So he's one of the owners of that company. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, back in the day, you know, I had come up with these designs and, and I had always liked weird shirts too. It was just sort of a thing that I would wear um, in in high school and stuff. So I thought I never really had any horror t-shirts and I love horror movies so much. And maybe I should come up with some ideas. And I thought of, um, you know, it was back during the, what would Jesus do craze? Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, what would Jason do? And I thought, well, if we replace the J with a hockey mask, that'd be funny. Everyone would get it. And I looked all over and 
I hadn't found anybody that did that. I had that idea or, or put that out. And I thought, well, I could do it. And then Justin said, hey, you should post those on my forum and, you know, see if people like it. And he was totally cool that he actually made the post and people really dug that shirt. And then I had one with just a hockey mask. And then I had one with a Michael Myers mask. that said trick or treat underneath it. And it was this weird thing because people started like really like liking it and said hey i'd buy that and where can i get that and all this stuff and i'm like huh like that's interesting maybe i could like actually do something so i came up with a name and i hand coded a website and just kind of threw it up there in in september of 2003 and ordered shirts my my fiance was like what are you doing like it's like 600 bucks worth of shirts and, and like i was on my credit card i'm like i don't know how i'm gonna pay this back like i had no <laughs> idea what the hell i was doing and just kind of kind of jumped in without any knowledge of of running a business wow that's crazy and going on 20 years that's badass and also congrats on that thank you i appreciate that yeah i i could have never imagined being here 20 years later and and still doing this so it's 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 been a blast the cool thing I like about the Fright Rag stuff is like it has kind of like has it has like that band feeling like I'm wearing a cool band shirt. It has that same type of feeling to it, you know, with outrageous designs and stuff and the artwork. Oh, thank you. I mean, that's, you know, it, it's funny when you especially nowadays when we have so many properties to work with, you know, it's it's always there's always that. What what should we do? What should we do? And, and, and again, I'm I'm fortunate to work with a lot of great artists that you know, I can turn to and say, hey, what do you think? You know, and, and it, granted, we in, internally come up with ideas at times, too. And, and you know, uh, Chris, who's our operations manager, he has a ton of ideas. And sometimes we'll sit around and just go back and forth. And then other people in the office will be like, hey, we should do something like this. I'm like, yeah, actually, that's a pretty good idea. Let's, I think I know the artist that could do that. Or it, it's a very collaborative process. Um, but there's definitely a curation involved. And making sure i mean art is subjective of course not everyone's gonna like everything and that's okay but you know i gotta be able to look at that and go yeah that belongs on our website and you know sometimes you do take chances sometimes i'm like hey that's not something that i necessarily would wear but i do recognize its potential and others might really dig it so let's put it out um Mm -hmm. so there's, there's definitely a process there that's cool and um I think over the past what five or six years, um, horror's really like started to boom again. You know, you're seeing a lot of different horror T-shirts. Everything's kind of horror related now, which is really awesome. So this is like a, a good time for fright rags, I would think. You know? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, weirdly enough, you know, we we grew exponentially during the pandemic, which was you know at the beginning of that, I had no idea we would even still be in business, and it, it really catapulted us. I mean, we were doing just fine before that, but it is kind of I mean, I know it happened with a lot of other online businesses, of course, not just us, but um, which was great. But you're right. The horror thing. It's so funny. It, you know, and I'm sure you know this as a horror fan. You know, we're fans through and through. I mean, nobody mm-hmm. could be watching this stuff and we're going to sit here and talk about it because we're fans. And yet. In the general zeitgeist, I guess, if you will, you feel every so often there's this wave of horror 
and it becomes popular and sort of the, you know, quote unquote mainstream and everyone's talking about horror movies. It's like the new cool thing. And then it sort mm-hmm. of subsides and then it comes back and it subsides. And yet we're all still here going, yeah, but it's still cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was not cool. It's just, you know, every so, so often there's this crop of people are like, hey, horror is cool. Like I remember being at, um, at, there's a licensing show I go to every year in Las Vegas in the summer and it's where you know, all these studios big and small get together and you go and have meetings and you can, you know, talk business and, and licensing and stuff. And generally there's always, you know, there's keynote speakers and there's other uh, seminars and stuff that you can go to as well. But there's always a few things during that, uh, that show that are, everyone's talking about. Like one year, everyone was talking about Amazon because of, uh, they wanted to get more into printing on demand or something. So like every meeting was like, Hey, do you sell on Amazon and Amazon and Amazon this? Mm-hmm. And one year it was all horror. Everyone's like horror, horror, horror. I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's what we do. That's what we've been doing for years. <laughs> you know? right. This isn't anything new for us. Like, yeah, horror is a thing, you know, just sometimes it takes people a minute to, to realize that, I guess. Yeah. Especially right now we got the uh, new evil dead movie and they're making a shit ton of money. Um, the new scream was there doing its thing like it's huge right now it's like we're on kind of almost the top of the wave i think right now like it's really out there people are really digging hard and i love that that's cool you know because i think we need more people enjoying horror movies that way we get more you know more movies made and stuff like that so it's a good time for horror i agree i think and i always laugh at the people that are just you know they come out and they're like you know Hollywood's got to get new ideas. They just keep rebooting everything. And why are they, you know, you know, raping my childhood or you know, all these silly mm-hmm. things. And it's like, first of all, like, yes, there was, you know, the new Halloween trilogy. Scream came back. Evil Dead. Um, and yet for every reboot or reimagined or requel or legacy sequel franchise there is, there is literally a dozen original horror movies coming out. I mean, if you have Shudder alone you can watch new horror every single day practically and it's mm-hmm. all over the world it's from all different types of people and i just think people are quite frankly lazy when they say there's no new good horror movies because first of all there are tons if you just go looking and you don't have to look very far but people don't want to do that and b i think people are also going to these legacy sequels or other things thinking that they're going to relive part of their childhood and that's not going to happen these movies you know, like I, I love Scream. I love the original Scream and I, I love the first sort of series, if you would, if you want to call it that. I liked mm-hmm. Scream 5. I thought it was a good movie. The last one I thought was fine. It's just you start thinking, OK, how are they going to switch this up or if are they going to switch this up? You know, and it's not I didn't hate it at all. It was just one of those things where I'm like, OK, but if a kid. Like my son, who's 13, loves Scream. If he sees that and wants, you know, he's watched wants to watch the original or any kid that maybe his parent took him to the theater to see it or something and is interested now, they can get into the originals. And just like with Halloween, you know, so I, I don't know. I feel like there's a place for all of these films and not everything's made for, you know, for the, that type for for your mid 40s, you know, horror fan. And, and not to say that it has to be, but we can still enjoy it. It's just, you know. I don't know. It's it's a weird thing. I, I just feel like people sometimes um, really, you know, put things down when it's like we are in a, a time of abundance when it comes to being a horror fan. Like, I really do feel that way. 
Yeah, we totally are. And I hear that shit all the time, too. I'm like, oh, there's no new good horror out there. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm still trying to catch one shit from last year. No you know, really good stuff. There's so much shit out there right no now. Kidding. So much good I, stuff. I have so many movies that I have not seen yet. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know what people I don't think people know what they want. I think that's part of it. I think they think they know what they want, but they really don't. But I don't know. Everyone's different. You know, I mean, it's it, it's it's fine if people don't like certain things. It's just I just don't get the the vitriol sometimes when I'm like, guys, like, chill. Like, you can, A, go watch the movies you love and adore. They haven't gone away. And, B, there is new stuff if you just kind of take some chances, you know? Yeah, totally. And um, another thing, too, like, with the new Scream movie, like, all these new, like, you know, entries in, like, these old franchises, it's kind of like gateways for, like, the younger kids and, you know, younger adults or whatever to get into horror, like, if they haven't been into horror before. It's kind of like the same shit we had back when Scream first came out or Nightmare on Elm Street. That was our gateway, and I'm sure there was people... Like older folks back then talking shit about that too, you know, like, oh, what is this crap? You know, it's just that's how people get into horror movies, and I think it's fucking cool. Yeah, same here, man. Same here. And I know there were people, you know, if you go back and read like old gore zones or even some Fangorias and reviews on movies like let's say Halloween four or something, because that was the first Halloween movie I saw in the theater. And I obviously seen the original Halloween and of course part two up to that point, and even part three. Um but I love Halloween four because I was 11 and I saw it in the theater and it's a, and I still think it's a great movie. It's still probably my favorite sequel of that franchise. But you read a review at the time of a person who's I think they were probably in I, I can't remember who wrote the review. But they were probably in their like late 30s, maybe even early 40s. And they're like, this movie's crap and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, I can see that because you were used to other types of films, you know, growing up maybe in the 60s and 70s. But for someone like me who was a kid. It spoke to me and I still love it. So, I mean, there's going to be like that, hopefully, for these new newer movies that come out that maybe maybe I don't like. But a kid who's 11 will see it and love it, you know, and then dive deeper into the franchises and other horror movies. I mean, and that's only a good thing, you know. No, I think it's great. I mean, like I said, more people watching horror, the more horror movies get made and stuff like that. And it, it keeps the, the legacy of horror growing, you know, throughout the generations and stuff like that. So I think it's fucking really cool. Yeah, man. Totally. And when it comes to uh, like remakes, I still stand by it that the uh, original Texas Chainsaw remake is one of the fucking best remakes ever made. Yeah, that was a great film. Um and we're actually going to be working. We're we're doing designs for it right now that we're going to be celebrating its 20th anniversary. I think next month uh, we've got a collection coming if everything gets approved and printed in time. But um, yeah, that I mean, that's another one. I mean, that movie's 20 years old. Like that's crazy. And that was during that kind of Platinum Dunes era, you know, um, mm-hmm. of of these movies kind of making a, a comeback and and you know, reimaginings or whatever you want to use the term. And that's a great example of one that I think people probably saw. And then we're like, well, this was based on another movie. Let's check that one out, you know? Yeah. And it was so fucking brutal. I remember seeing that in the movie theater and people were like screaming and stuff. I'm like, oh my God, this is so good. You know, yeah. and I love the original too. The original is fucking great. But man, that remakes, uh, it's, it's pretty close to original. It might be blasphemy, but it's not as good as the original. No, right. but it's pretty fucking close. Yeah, it's a it's a solid, solid film for sure. And I love Leatherface's look. I love what they did to update the movie without trying to do everything the original did, you know, um, in terms of, you know, trying to make it look like it or, you know, whatever. They, they did their own thing and they it was still incredibly effective. 
That was a pretty decent time for horror too. I think what was that? The earlier two thousands, I believe, like two thousand three or something. Yeah, yeah. They had that. Uh, the first Wrong Turn, which I still stand by, saying that was a pretty damn cool movie. I saw that oh, in yeah. theaters and everything. Like, I don't know. That was kind of a, a a cool time for horror. There's a lot of dark, dirty shit that came out around that time. Well, uh, uh, High Tension came out that year. Uh, House mm-hmm. of Corpses, Freddy versus Jason. Um, I mean, there was a lot of, you're right, there was a lot of great movies. Cheapers Creepers 2, um, yeah, a lot of, lot of good stuff that year and in that time, you know? Yeah, um, when it go, goes, going back to that time, I have a, a giant uh, subway poster of Freddy vs. Jason in my living room. It's like, you know, huge-ass poster. I, I do like that movie just for being as fun as it was. A lot of people hated that one, too, but I'm like, man... It's Freddy versus Jason. Don't take it that seriously, you know. It's fucking those two, you know. I I agree. When I saw it in the theater, and at first I wasn't sure what to expect, and when that dude's head came off and that blood just gushed, I was like, okay, this is just fun as hell. Like, that's all we got to take it as is just something that's ridiculously fun, and that's what it was. I just think there, it's almost like it was almost borderline horror comedy in a way, um, even though they play it straight. But I. I mean, my whole thing was I would have preferred a Kane Hodder Jason versus a Freddy, but mm-hmm. that, like I think what they did to change things up worked for the story and everything. But yeah, it's just a, it's just a fun movie. Yeah, and it had the well, back then I listened to a lot of new metal and stuff. Don't tell anybody, but everybody knows now, so whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> the soundtrack, man, I was like, oh hell yeah, this is awesome. It had like all like the like new metal bands and stuff. I can't remember some of the fucking names off there. I just know it was a good soundtrack. I think uh, maybe Killswitch Engage was on there. Uh, some of the earlier stuff that I was listening to, but yeah, I think so. I I, I remember that being pretty uh, new metal heavy for sure. Yeah, which I hear that's kind of making a comeback, but I'm, I'm way good on that. I did my time. I'm, I don't I don't need any more new metal. I'm fine with that. <laughs> someone I saw, she posted that she saw someone in Jankos the other day, and I thought that was hilarious. Like, that was all sort of past my time, so it's just like I was kind of aged out of that stuff, you know, that kind of scene before, you know, before it even came on. So it's funny to me that people are now getting nostalgic for it, or people or like kids coming up today are you know, dressing that way or something. It's just funny to me because it's like, wow, that is so, that's so beyond where I was at at that, at that time. <laughs> yeah, see, that's my, that was my time period was the 90s. I was born in 85, so like the 90s were like my thing, you know, Jenkos and all that stuff, Airwonks. And now it's like, that's, it's like the new 80s, you know what I mean? Like everybody's dressed in like kind of 90s, early 2000s now, and it's really bizarre. Yeah, no, I, I always tell people 90s are the new 80s, and it's true. I mean, it's 30 years ago. I mean, And it's funny when I have, you know, I do have a nostalgia for the 90s because, I mean, I was an 80s kid for sure. I mean, I was born in 77. So, I mean, I spent most of my childhood, you know, in the 80s. But as I got into 90s, it was then becoming a teenager. And and that decade was going from a teen to an adult and all the things that came with that. So when I think back, it's it's, you know, end of middle school into high school, into college, into all these other things I was doing. And it's funny how those you know time periods shape a person's life and and what we each remember out of it i mean i have uh someone who works with me heather she is you know pretty much exactly 10 years younger than me so she was born two years after you and she Mm -hmm. remembers seeing you know h2o in the theater at like 11 and to me that was the experience i had with Halloween four and i don't have the nostalgia for h2o i loved it i think it's a great movie don't get me wrong but 
there's a deeper nostalgia for her because of her age. And I totally get that, you know, and that's the thing. Our experiences shape how we look at things and how we think of things and how we feel of things. And, and we're not each going to have the same experience at the certain ages where we grew up and all those other factors, you know? Right. That's the same kind of, I get that nostalgic feeling every time I watch Beetlejuice, which is one of my favorite films. Mm. <laughs> I fucking love Beetlejuice. I can watch it a thousand times. I probably watched it over a thousand times since I was a kid, but, um, I see they're doing a uh, sequel to that, and at least it has a lot of the original people in there. You know, you know, Beetlejuice is back and stuff. And I think uh, I, I can't remember if um, I think uh, what's her name's gonna be in there. Lydia's gonna be in there. I'm um, having her oh, Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder. Yeah, Rinder, yeah I think she's gonna be in there. Oh, I can't wait. I Be- I agree. Beetlejuice is one of my all-time favorite movies. So uh, I'm 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 in for the sequel, man. I'm I'm down. Like, let's do it. But you're right. That movie is highly, highly rewatchable. I could probably put it on repeat and it, it, it would, wouldn't get old. Yeah, I was just watching it for the, like I said, a thousandth time um, a couple of days ago. I'm like, man, I still love this movie. And I still like, I get that feeling when I first watched it. Like, it takes me right back to that time period again. It's like, you know, like a magical, like, time trip or whatever. It's cool. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Another one, too, that um, I don't think gets enough attention is uh, Little Monsters from back in the, was it late 80s, early 90s with Howie Mandel? Oh, yeah. And um, and Fred Savage. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think, wasn't that like 89 maybe? But uh, yeah, that was that was fun, too, for sure. I mean, I was a Fred Savage fan because I loved Wonder Years. So that movie. uh, Yeah. 89. I just looked it up. It was 89. Um, Yeah, that was fun for sure. That would be a cool ass fucking property to get for uh, Fright Rags, man. That'd be awesome. I'd buy the shit out of it. <laughs> I know. I I'd love to. That was so. I think that is through Vestron, which was through Lionsgate. So that would be a, Lionsgate's kind of hard to deal with. We've worked with them in the past, and if we ever if we ever work with them again, I'd love to to get that though for sure. Yeah, that'd be way cool. Um, I also like how you're um kind of teamed up with Joe Bob in the Last Drive-In. That's really fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were, you know, we were working with Joe Bob before The Last Drive-In was even a thing. You know, we had worked with him starting in 2016, and he came up to here in Rochester, New York, for a weekend to do a a screening. And, um, you know, he's just a great guy. We had a lot of fun hanging out that weekend. And, um, you know, Justin Osborne, who's one of our main artists who does all the artwork for, you know, the main Last Drive-In stuff, he is a humongous fan of Joe Bob. So it really was great when they announced the last drive in and we were able to do a design and um, kind of a funny story when he was up here signing posters, this again, pre last drive in, uh, I got a DM from this woman. She's like, Oh my God, you know, cause I, I, I had sent, I posted a picture on Twitter, like he's signing our posters. We're going to put up for sale. And she was like, I, I, I love Joe Bob. I can't wait to meet him next week. I'm so nervous. Is he nice? I'm like, Oh yeah, he's great. She's like, yeah, I'm going to a book signing. I'm like, that's cool. And it, about a year, year and a half later, I got a DM from her. And she's like, guess who's the new male girl? And it, and it was it was Darcy. I mean, she oh. was a of ours. And uh, but yeah, she's such a huge fan. And for her to get the male girl job was amazing. And then just to be able to work with them now and do all this cool stuff. And then to see all the people that not only buy it, but like display it proudly on Friday nights when he's on and, and tweet about them in their lounge pants and they got their cup. And, you know, souvenir cup and they've got their new shirt on and there. It's just 
it's so cool like to be a part of that even a little part of that is just amazing because i i love joe bob and i love the last drive-in and i love that he has had this resurgence in his career and at a time when we can all be like watch it together like when i was younger and watching him on monster vision he it was like watching with a friend and i would be by myself but i felt oddly comforted because it felt like i was watching with somebody Mm -hmm. and in this case, I am watching it with somebody, even though I'm by myself, I get on Twitter and I see all these people watching the same movie and we're talking back and forth about the movie, about Joe Bob, about what they just said or did. And it's just this communal experience that I think is, I'm just so happy for him and and Darcy for that matter. And just, I don't know, I just think it's just great and I'm just happy to be a part of it. Yeah, I, I get that same feeling you do. Like I, I tweet every Friday unless I fall asleep because I'm up at like 5 a.m. every day for work. So I can't stay up as late as a lot of people can anymore. Yet, you know, it's getting it's to hard. me, but it's it hard. is East Coast, man. Like even last night, you know, I, my wife and I had been watching a movie. And when it was over, I jumped over to the Babadook so I could catch the end of that um, or the last half of it. And then the mother started. And I was like. Dude, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, I crashed, and I was like, I got to go to bed. Like, But, you know, the nice thing is you can watch it later, which is cool. But I always do, like, watching as much as I can live. Yeah, because it feels like you're not sitting there alone. Like, I, my wife doesn't watch, like, all the horror. She watches a lot of horror with me, but she doesn't watch, like, Joe Bob or whatever, which is cool. You know, so I watch Joe Bob with my black cat, Lily. She sits on the couch right next to me every Friday. Like, she likes Joe Bob, I guess. You know, I think she likes the chirping and stuff of the pre joe bob countdown oh yeah yeah <laughs> so we'll, we'll watch that for like 30 minutes and stuff but like especially uh, during the uh, pandemic and stuff man like it made me feel like i was not alone at all you know because i wasn't going to work or anything like that so there's no outside activity but being able to like sit there and tweet with everybody like i tried to do that every friday and it's um you know this i don't know there's a big community feeling there like it's very welcoming and stuff and i don't know there's something warm and fuzzy about it you know Oh, 100 percent. Like, I feel the like same exact way. And my friends and I do a terror tweet every weekend as well. We we were doing it once a month uh, pre pandemic. But when when COVID hit, we started doing it every week. And and it's a similar thing, even though it's only maybe a few of us will pick a movie and watch it at the same time. And we tweet. But um, yeah. And now we do it on Discord. But um, it's just having that kind of ability. And again, with with the platform like Joe Bob and Last Drive and and how it was even back with monster vision like that type of thing if you will lends itself so well to that group watch communal experience and having you know something like twitter to be able to just banter back and forth i mean it is i mean to see a movie like no one's really talked about trending on twitter because so many people are talking about it at the moment because they're watching it together is pretty powerful i mean that just goes to show you the effect it's having yeah, and it gets all these people exposed to movies they probably never knew anything about, you know. It's like, oh, this movie's fucking awesome. Never seen it before, but, you know, now you have Joe Bob sitting there explaining it to you and going over, like, the cool facts and everything. Like, it's that's really special. Yeah, I wouldn't pick The Mothers off the shelf to watch, you know what I mean, or Rent or whatever. I wouldn't pick it from something, but, oh, Joe Bob's going to watch it and tell us all about it, and we're going to watch it together. It's like going to school, right? It's almost like going to class, and Joe Bob's like, all right, these are the movies we're watching today. I'm going to tell you all about them. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm here for whatever. And, and sometimes the movies are awful, but still it, you make, they made, they're made fun with him and everybody else. 
Yeah, I kind of like the bad ones because then we can yeah. really get down on some like yeah. funny tweets and those That's get true. shared and like it's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Um, last night, what'd you say? Well, what's the uh, Babadook or whatever? I made it all the way through the Babadook without falling asleep, so that was cool. Because usually, like I said, I'm, I'm out by the first movie. Sometimes I can make it through like half of the second movie. But um, man, that was only my second time watching the Babadook, I believe, and I, I kind of like it more than I did the first time. The first time I was kind of like a little lukewarm on it, you know, and how I felt about it. A lot of hype at that time too. But uh, rewatching it with you know Joe Bob and stuff, I kind of like appreciate it a bit more. I agree. I, I would say me too. Um, it was my second time watching it as well, and I only caught about the last half of it, but still, it was uh, yeah. I mean, I had, I think I probably had a. I liked it when I first saw it, but it, I probably have a deeper appreciation of it now. Um, it's been, you know, several years and, you know, having Joe Bob talk through it or whatever, it's, it's definitely helped. And uh, I mean, it's a great film. I mean, and, and I love hearing about like what the writer director had to go through and, and the woman that played um, the main character there and how she was, you know, being taught by the writer director. And I don't know, it's just it's just great to hear all that stuff, you know. Yeah, I mean, Joe Bob is like an encyclopedia when it comes to movie knowledge. Like, he knows so much. When you think you know a lot, and like, oh, like, well, Joe Bob knows about twice as much as that than what you know. So <laughs> he is, he's incredibly well prepared. I mean, he, the work he puts into each movie, I mean, he watches each movie dozens of times, watches all the commentaries, reads everything he can, finds every little, sni- I mean, he, it's it's what's wild about him is when you watch him, it's so fluid and it's almost like it's coming from the top of his head. But all that stuff is scripted, like all mm-hmm. of those things. He's actually, you know, it, it just feels so natural. I mean, obviously, you know, he's writing it. So, I mean, I'm sure a lot of it he can recall. But I mean, the the work he puts in, you know, it, 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 the, the fact that he makes it look so effortless is just incredible because then people just assume like it's almost like he just knows all this stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. but. He has to research and I mean, just like anybody would have to, you know what I mean? I mean, of course, but uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's great. Like he just does. I don't know. He's just doing a great service for horror fans, you know, he really is. And um, I got to say my favorite. I don't know if it was actually a season of um, last drive and it might have been before the actual season started. Might have been like a special. But when he did like his whole um phantasm marathon i think i think i think he went through all the movies of phantasm that was like some of the best shit ever oh yeah yeah i remember that um well, yeah i think it was some special he did that's mm-hmm. the other thing i love the specials he does i love the the charities that he's doing you know charity uh show every every december like he just it's a lot of great things coming out of 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 the last drive-in yeah, it really is. And um, yeah, I'm just happy it's still going on. I want to see it going for at least another 10 years. Hopefully I, I don't want to never see it in. You know, it's going to be sad when it does. Oh, I know. I know. I've watched some of his um older episodes on uh, because I didn't have cable growing up as a kid. So I'd only get to catch like Monster Vision or something like that. But I was like spending the night at a family member's house. that had cable. <laughs> so we never had cable. So just like going back, sometimes you can watch uh older episodes of um, Monster Vision, you can catch it on YouTube or something or once in a while, and um, it, it just brings back all that nostalgia feeling, you know? Yeah, I mean, I it's funny. I had a similar experience. We had cable the first year. It was available to us in, like, 80, 81, 82, and then we got rid of it after about a year, and I didn't get it back again until I was in high school, so it was, like, early 90s. So I, I spent the most of my childhood 
young childhood without cable. But then by, you know, mid late nineties, when we had cable, I was able to watch monster vision, but you can get, I know there have been people. And I actually back um, 15, 20 years ago, I was buying the monster vision uh, bootleg discs on eBay, but now uh, Darcy has a thing. I forgot where it is, but it's called the lost drive-in. And that's a lot of his old shows and things that they're putting out like exclusively through Patreon or something with Joe Mm -hmm. Bob doing it so you can actually get a little bit more official versions which is awesome so they are available but you're right you can kind of find them on youtube and stuff and it it is it is nostalgia man you put it on and it just takes you right back it does man and um like i said you not having cable me not having cable i'm totally making up for it now i don't have cable now but i have like 50 streaming (laughs) services so exactly yeah same here we got rid of our actual cable but you know we just stack on the the screening services Man, yeah, I, I use them all pretty decently, but um, like the new show, uh, new season of From. Have you been checking that out, From? No, I haven't seen that at all. From? Uh, it, yes, it's uh, it's on season two right now, and it's on MGM Plus, which is some weird ass fucking streaming channel that really ain't, it doesn't have too much going on for it, you know, except for From, and it also has I think uh, Chapel White was on there as well, but uh, From is from the producers of Lost. Um, okay takes place in this uh, weird ass town that um if you travel through this town and um you happen to go around this town you get stuck in this town you can't leave Whoa. and um and if you go out at nighttime they got these fucking which have not been described of what they, they, nobody knows what these are yet they're kind of vampire type weird things that come out at night and they look just like humans until they like turn and then they eat you <laughs> so Whoa. night nighttime is a no go and you're trapped here and there's some kind of like giant supernatural element keeping everybody here and they're keeping them fed and everything, too, because food just miraculously shows up, you know, which is really weird. And these things at night, they st- they can stay away from you if you have these like uh, these runes or whatever that are located around this whole like little town and stuff. If you have a room on your on your door or whatever, they won't come in for some reason. So there's some type of like magical thing going on there, too. It's just it's like lost with uh, vampire type creatures and even more weirdness than what loss was it's fucking good wow i'll have to check that out that yeah it's called from yeah that's awesome yeah so that was another weird streaming service that i, I only like activate that when that show comes back around <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, get the free know? trial or something or pay for a month you know yeah and like there's so many good ones out there like um arrow's really good um shutter of course and then uh screen box i have that one now because they've really been having some really cool shit on there now so yeah there's a i feel like it's limitless i mean you're right there's all these great horror specific ones and then there's also the the normal ones that have a ton of horror on them too so it's like it is a smorgasbord out there it really is and um I think out of all of them, I think Netflix gets the least amount from me when it comes to like viewing time. Because the uh, only thing I use Netflix for myself right now is watching Seinfeld. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's yeah. my favorite show ever, and they have it on there. So, you know, I'm going to be watching it on there again. So, Oh, yeah. I love Seinfeld. I have all I have all of them on DVD, but I still find myself going on Netflix and watching them, too. So <laughs> yeah, It's just easier to do. It's like, all right, I'm just going to stream it. I'm not going to put a DVD in. Exactly. There's um I'm gonna do a um podcast series sometime in the future about the connections between Seinfeld and like just horror movies in general, especially like Twin Peaks. They share a lot of different actors and stuff. There's been a lot of horror people to go through Seinfeld, you know. Dude, it, it's so funny you mentioned that because 
I started doing a Seinfeld rewatch probably about oh, at this point. It's probably been about two years. And I got I actually got through all of almost everything. I probably got through halfway season nine, so I haven't finished it. But I started noticing the same exact thing. And I started putting notes in my phone because I had I couldn't like there were so many people like um was it Howard Sherman uh, played Bub, you know, Day of the Dead. He was mm-hmm. in like there's so many people that are like I look at and go, oh, my God, like it's it's that person from these movies. And like I started making notes because the same thing is you should totally write that article. Oh, yeah. I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a podcast series on like a like a extended episode type thing, maybe three or four episodes on just like connecting some of the dots there. I think that'd be really cool. Awesome. Yeah, you got to do that. There's a one um one of the big noticeable ones is a uh, Tobin Bell who plays like the uh, record store guy or whatever. That's right. That's right. Yep. Yeah, such a great episode. It, to me, it almost feels like Seinfeld and Twin Peaks share a similar universe because they share so many damn actors and you know, especially uh, what was it? Uh, George's uh, wife's, well, his ex-wife, her family. Like they're all like people from Twin Peaks, pretty That's much. And like, yeah, it seems like it shares the same universe. It'd be funny to kind of do like a like a crossover, like I don't know something, you know, like Seinfeld Peaks or something, where you're like right or like do like a like a trailer or something. It'd be hilarious. Oh, that would be awesome. I'm 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 surprised nobody's done that yet, you know, or yeah. did like a video edit with a Twin yeah. Peaks type thing going on with Seinfeld. Exactly. Yeah, that that's like the best comedy ever. I, I love The Office too, but nothing compares to Seinfeld. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's hard because I had never seen The Office until COVID hit. And, it, and I had just done, um, you know, I was on this kick where I was like, all right, I've never seen like Mad Men. So I went through all seven seasons of Mad Men in like two months. And then I'm like, I've never seen The Office. And then COVID hit and I had nothing, you know, we were locked in, down. So I went burned through all nine seasons of The Office in like two months or something. It was crazy. But I do love, love, love that show. But mm-hmm. I had to pick one. It might be Seinfeld, like just because I've, you know, watched it when it was on. And then when I was in college, we used to watch it all the time. And then it's just I don't know. That show is just so good. But, yeah, I do love The Office as well. Yeah, The Office ranks really high. It might come in like really close second to Seinfeld. Like, but overall, Seinfeld always is always going to win out for me. But The Office is right there because it's another one of those like comfort shows you can watch. You just throw it on and like you feel better, you know? Yeah. 100%. Yep. Some fucking great. And also has some horror elements, too. What well, doesn't have horror elements has a few people like uh, Rain Wilson, who was originally Fish Boy in a House of a Thousand Corpses. Right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hell of a connection there. He, he sure made it big, though. That's good for him. Oh, I know. Isn't it funny? Like, think about him in, in House and then how he, like, like what a year later ended up on The Office and, like, one of the biggest shows of that time, like, just in catapulted him and everybody on that show pretty much he was also on the uh one of the new star treks i don't know which one but one of the new star trek shows rain wilson's on there playing some like kind of comedy type bad guy you know something you would think dwight would play so i think that's that's cool cool. (laughs) yeah yeah he's made it big so um like recently have you watched anything that's like noteworthy like in the past few months or whatever um I'm trying to think. I have to check my my diary and letterbox here. But I, well, I did watch. Fine. I mean, again, I'm usually behind on a lot of things. I just, I'm, 
it's very hard to just watch all the new stuff when it comes out. And I don't know, I'm just in my own world, I guess. I'm just doing other things, you know, working and whatever. But um, I did watch uh, uh, Pearl, which I loved. And again, I know mm-hmm. that came out with last year or whatever, but I I really liked that because I liked X and I, and I thought it was fine. You know, it was it was good. But then when I watched Pearl, I was like, oh, I got to watch X again because I, I just love the way Mia Goth plays that character. And I just I can't wait for Maxine. Like, I just thought that was a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny, like a lot of the movies that I've been watching recently are just ones that I've seen either plenty of times or just, you know. Oh, you know what I liked, you know, in terms of newer movies. And again, this is a couple months ago, but um, I really enjoyed Megan. I thought that was a great movie. I thought it was it was this it, to me like this interesting. Uh, I'm using the term very loosely, but like new horror, like mm-hmm. it was great. I loved it. I thought it was a fun movie, but I could see this being a movie that, again, like if you're a kid, you're younger or, you know, you're preteens or whatever this would be a good almost gateway film horror film you know i could see this being like the chuck like chucky was when i was a kid you know and not to say mm-hmm. that i mean she's certainly not i mean she's brutal but i mean chucky was definitely more cynical and brutal right. um i don't want to compare the two i'm just saying in terms of like i remember when i was a kid and running into the store wanting to watch new you know child's play when it came out and i could see you know if kids are well, not the kids are going to the movie stores but you know like video stores but like wanting to put that on on a sleepover or something and and have it be a, a cool gateway horror i think that's that's cool um trying to think what else i watched oh i watched sick when it came out that was uh written by uh kevin williamson i believe mm-hmm. i thought that was fine I mean, that was about the pandemic but it was like i don't know it, it was it was okay um i watched uh was it is it the watcher or watcher the one with um I'm going to get Micah Monroe. Um, uh, I, that uh, was really good. That was really good. So That was and, on Shudder, right? Yeah, that was on Shudder. Yeah. Um, I watched, oh, a couple of the newer ones that I've, I've enjoyed recently in recent months are Deadstream and Barbarian. Those were great. Oh, Those hell yeah. Barbarian was my favorite of last year. That was my number one. That was, that was wild, man. You know, I... I just put it on, not expecting anything, not knowing what to expect, I should say. And (laughs) what a ride that movie was. Holy cow. Yeah, I went in blind with that one, too. Like, everybody told me, don't look up anything about this one. It totally ruined it for you. So I did not watch any trailers or anything like that. Went in with it, like, that first half. Like, oh, I see where this is going. This guy's going to be a creep or whatever. It's going to be one of those type movies where he probably, like, keeps her hostage. Oh, no, it goes way down the rabbit hole, man. Like, what the (laughs) fuck? Yeah, it, I was like, wait, wait, what now? <laughs> like, it totally took me for a loop. But you know what? Good on them for doing that. You know, I mean, I again, I like movies that surprise me. I mean, I'm pretty easy to please when it comes to movies. Like, I'm not trying to come from an angle of like, oh, my God, like this should have done this or whatever. Like, I'm fairly easy to please. But uh, in that sense, though, um you know, there are times you watch a movie, you're like, eh, okay, that wasn't, but like watching something like Barbarian, I'm like, this was just so much fun. I mean, it just made me want to show people that movie and get there and, and see their reaction, you know? Yeah. It's so good. No, I'm also Deadstream. I, that made my list last year too. I thought that was really fucking cool. Dude. I, you know, I, uh, it was late October and I had COVID. So I was, um, 
kind of I was isolating over here in my home office area. We have an addition on our house where I have like my office where I'm sitting now and like a movie room and stuff like that. And I was sitting on the couch and I was just going to put something on to watch. And I heard about Deadstream and I'm like, eh, I'll just toss this on. What the hell? And with within probably two minutes, I was like, oh, this movie is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> like I cannot like this is great. And it was it was so much fun and so much fun. In fact, you know, I posted on Twitter. We ended up getting in contact with Joseph Winter, who did it and who was in it and started and wrote and directed it with his wife. And and um, yeah, and we ended up working together and doing shirts. So like, how great was that? <laughs> you know? Yeah, that that is great. And um, yeah, I totally love that movie. And it kind of it gave me like Evil Dead to uh, Army of Darkness vibes, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, it had that totally Evil Dead almost slash Blair Witch Project crossover thing going or, or mashup, you know, and. Yeah, I just I thought it was just fun and fresh and I don't know. I mean, when I I can sit there and not be bored watching a movie, you know, that's that's a, always a good thing. You know, like I wasn't bored. I had fun with it. And, you know, it was over. And I was like, oh, this is a great fun movie. That was that was cool. You know, and I don't know. I mean, what more what more do you want? Right. It's movies like that that keep me from like grabbing my phone mid movie. And I, I hate doing that. But, if, you know, if I start to get bored, I'm like, oh, let's look at something else on here. You know, it's like yeah. I want a movie to keep my attention because, oh. you know, phones and all this stuff uh, really doesn't help with me keeping my attention on shit anymore. So I hear that 100 percent. There's um, also a really killer film that's out now that came out uh, in 2022 was called All Eyes. Have you seen that? No, it's a low budget film. Um but you can't tell it's low budget, you know what I mean? Like, it's filmed really well. Special effects and all really good, too. But it's on Amazon Prime, and it's about this uh, podcaster who's kind of, like, uh, got himself in trouble with some things, and people aren't following him anymore, listening to him and stuff. So, And what he does, he uh, reports on, like, uh, cryptids and stuff like that. Like, he checks out haunted places and shit like that. But uh, he gets a letter in the mail about, uh, like, this weird creature living out in the woods that this guy wants to kill. And, like, hey, you want to come out here and watch me? kill and capture or capture and kill this beast that's behind my house or whatever and he's like okay and it turns in like this crazy ass fucking um it has it's a monster movie but also has like some uh weird saw type shit going on it's a weird combination and there's a lot of humor in it too so really really good it's called all eyes all eyes okay yeah i haven't heard of it i'll I'll have to look into that one as well yeah that's i've watched that this year so um I guess technically, you know, it's new to me, but it came out last year. But that one's really good. And I'm also I also really dug Infinity Pool. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't. That's one I've been wanting to, to watch as well. And I, I have not seen it yet. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Infinity Pool scored really high for me. That's going to make my list for this year for sure. Like really good. It hit all the notes that I like, you know, dark sci-fi, you know, horror elements in there and stuff like that. And it's like, I, I don't know. And, you know, it's got Mia Goth in there. So it's always cool. She's a great actress, but uh, nice. plays a super annoying part in this one. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, she's, yeah. But um, yeah, really good. Brandon Cronenberg has a like cool vision, you know, just like his dad, but he's sure. doing his own thing. So that's cool. Yeah. Infinity pool. We definitely want to check that one out. Um, do you have any, what's, can you give away any more like uh future plans with uh fright rags design wise or anything like that? Like what might, might be coming in the future? Yeah. So, um, 
like I said, we've got Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the 2003, the 20th anniversary of that film coming out next month, um, if all goes to plan. Um, we're working on a collection for True Romance, which is also celebrating oh. anniversary 30th this year. So we're doing that. Um, we just recently re-signed Ghostbusters, which I'm really happy about because we can do a whole bunch of new stuff with that. Um, so we'll be starting out with some reprints of older shirts that we haven't been able to put out for a while because we haven't had the license for a couple of years. So we're going to be putting those out. Um, we've got the Prowler coming up, City of Living Dead. Those came out really good. Um, we're doing more hats uh, this summer. We're doing, you know, we're celebrating Jaws 3Ds. So we've got because that's the 40th anniversary of that so we're doing some things for that movie and we're doing the beyond which will be the first time for us which i can't nice. wait um yeah, yeah we've got we've got a ton of stuff coming up yeah you sold me at a true romance man i love that fucking movie yeah that is a great film um i'm looking forward to working with that one as well yeah that uh, texas chainsaw massacre i'm definitely gonna be buying stuff i told myself i'm trying to take a break from buying buying <laughs> stuff or whatever but that never works out that long you know yeah, I hear you. I do the same thing with like other stuff. Like you know, I I, I play guitar, so I'm always buying stuff with guitar stuff. And I always tell myself, all right, that's it for a while. And then I see something like, oh man, I gotta get that. So, um, and I do that with other things too. It's just, oh well, you know. But hey, it makes us happy, right? It does. And I'm also a fellow guitar player. I was in a band for over 15, 16 years of my life. And uh, as as I'm talking right now, I'm sitting next to like. Uh, two two full stacks and like three guitars and all my pedal board and everything when I'm like you know recording or something so <laughs> oh that's awesome yeah I I always I have my guitars normally I have them hanging right in here in this room but I I take them down during the winter months because it just gets too dry in here mm-hmm. so I put them in the cases with their with some humidifying packs and then now that it's nice enough out I can probably you know I have a humid uh, hydrometer in here to make sure right the humidity is going to be okay enough to keep them out but uh yeah I've got a Right now, I've got a Deluxe Reverb Tone Master, and I have a Headrush. I just got the new Headrush Prime with uh, the, the speaker, so I've kind of, like, I'm balancing both worlds. I mean, granted, the, I know the Tone Master is technically digital, but, I mean, I've got the regular amp with a pedal, pedal platform and that type of thing, but then I've got full modeling, too, so I'm just kind of messing around, you know. it's, it's uh, I used to have a Marshall JCM 800 full stack. <laughs> it was a nice. fifth spot, and... As great as that is, it's like, where are you playing that? You know, it's just too loud. Um, so to me, it's like I, I like being able to have stuff that I can play here in the house. And if I do end up playing out, which I do with my brother's band once in a while, you know, I can I have enough to bring with me and, and still play loud enough, but not have it. You know, like my Marshall, I could keep it on like two and that's not doing anything. You know, it's like mm-hmm. taking ferrari to to the grocery store you know what i mean it's like you got to get open that thing up you know right right and you can't really do that in most places so i'm just being more and more you know conservative these days but uh it's still fun you know as long as it's fun to play and 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 you get the talent the tones you want you know that's that's all that matters yeah when it comes to loudness or whatever when uh we weren't like when we did our tour and all that stuff i would bring my whole rig we're a three-piece and um Mm. I I would bring the whole fucking rig with me, so I got like two full stacks. It don't matter where we're at, as long as they, you know I can fit that shit on stage, I'm bringing it. So Amazing. I, I I never like you know turn to max. I've never been over like five or six with these amps. I have uh, two PV triple X two twelve combos. They're both uh, like 120 watts a piece, and I got those on top of two uh, uh, Fender Metalhead uh, four four twelve cabs, and they're like uh, I think they're rated almost 500 watts a piece. So oh. I, 
I got a lot of air moving, you know. Yeah, man, that's uh, that's quite a rig. I mean, it's funny because my brothers and I have been playing and uh, like my brother has a band. It's a more blues centric that I play in. Like I, I sit in here, here and there. I'm, I'm, you know, sometimes he does solo. Sometimes it's me, him, a drummer and, and a and a bass player. Sometimes it's just us three. But my both my brothers, my, the one that has the band, he also plays bass and he was the bassist in our band. It was just us three as well, because my other brother plays drums and i play guitar and my brother and i sing so it's funny we're we're a three-piece as well and we've been getting together again more frequently just to kind of jam and stuff so it's it's funny you're in the same situation what's the name of the band uh the band uh, our band is called 10th ward um it's because where we grew up downtown where our old house uh, where where we originally grew up was was called the 10th ward so that's why we're called that Mm -hmm. what about you guys uh, well, this our, my band's inactive right now. We're they're no longer a thing, but we were called Tripping the Mechanism. Oh, we're like a doomy, sludgy kind of some black metal elements. We're a lot of things people would call us. Like we just we just make heavy music. <laughs> We've been called like the black metal Melvins and stuff, which I think that was a cool oh, compliment. That's, that's cool. <laughs> I, I would love that. Yeah, that's a great compliment. I send you over um our band camp or stuff or wherever you can find our music at. There's some like free stuff too you can just listen to us without having to buy anything. So you can check us out if you're into that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'd love to check it out. Sure. And now what I do now, um, I've been working on uh some like dark uh John Carpenter ish like synth stuff. I've been getting into keyboards. Like I have a little uh, Akai mini um um MIDI keyboard or whatever. I've been using that for like the past couple of years now, and um. I got a project called Abraxas Horn, which is just me, and I released my first album on that project last year. And just like some really weird dark synthy stuff, if you dig that stuff. I don't oh, know. that's cool. No, I do, and and it's it, again, it's funny you mention that. I used to play around. I have a a keyboard as well that I I haven't played with it in quite some time, but I used to do a lot of just instrumental stuff when I was younger and record. Like when I figured out how to record on my computer, and this was like. 22 three years ago in trying to like figure out like how to get the sounds in there and it was a lot of fun and i, I actually want to get back to doing more of that. i haven't done it in years but i mean i i, I would love to get back to doing that because it's just it it's it's fun to have something different that's not um guitar related or you know like just to do something that gets you out of the box you know because i mean i i always you get in that rut. I get in that rut all the time. I'm playing the same stuff. I mean, I'm in that kind of rut right now. Where I just feel like anything I play sounds like crap. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, like I can't. I, I don't know. It, 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 you go through it here and there. And, and you know, it's fun to just switch over to something else for a little bit to, to refresh, you know. It really is. And like when you get into the keyboard synthy world or whatever, so many options, so many sounds like you're just like in a giant mecca fucking like. You know, a candy store fucking cool sounds like i don't know what to choose like i can take this sound and build it and make it a thousand different ways like there's so many cool things to do yep yep it's it's cool when you get on that trip even like sometimes i was actually jamming a little bit earlier and i, I was just going in all my pedals and just messing around and trying to get some weird tones and stuff and i'm like oh it's great like i because it was something that was totally different because i had this um i got the new uh, Strymon Cloudburst, which is this cool reverb ambient thing, and um, I was kind of messing with that, and you get some really wacky stuff out of there if you push it, and I'm like, it's just, I don't know, it's just fun. It's just fun to, to try to spark your creativity in different ways. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, um, yeah, I got a shit ton of pedals myself. Um, I got some cool delays. Um, 
I mostly fuck around with um, this company called uh, Blackhawk Amps. I don't know if you ever heard of them. They're out of Oregon, but uh, they make custom amps and pedals. Um, it's really one guy that does it, Brooks Blackhawk. But anyways, he makes the most the nastiest like distortion and fuzz pedals ever. Like they're so heavy and nasty sounding. <laughs> and uh, the one I have that I use primary is uh, called the Uruk High, which you know from Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah, like, Rings. Yep. yeah. So man, it, I, I, there's so many different like tonal things I can get out of this one pedal. Like it's insane. And I'm tuning down to I think G right now. <laughs> so like it's just like. <laughs> Yeah, you hit one note, it's like, you know, it's like straight growling and stuff. It's it's so nasty. But, um, yeah, I have also, like I said, I have delays and choruses and all that stuff, too. But, man, I just, uh, I'm a sucker for, like, this heavy, nasty fucking, you know, distortion or fuzz. Have you, um, I know it's not quite the same, but have you messed around with the uh, Digitech drop pedal? I um, I didn't have a Digitech, but I did have one called a Morpheus. I don't know if you've ever heard of Morpheus drop tune pedals before. No, no, I, I just, I actually just got, I haven't heard of that one. I just got a drop because my brother, when I play in his band, likes to play in different keys, and sometimes like he does a lot of slide and open D. So I, I instead of having a guitar tune to, to D, like instead of using my cable all the time or whatever, like I just have it where I could just drop it down with a pedal and it's perfect because then I can play in the open E position, but it's D and it, it, you know, it, it's just so much easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh. I mean, I'll use a capo for other keys and other things, but it's just for like a whole set and for mostly in D, it's like, all right, I can just, I don't want to have to deal. Cause I was tuning my guitar down to D, but I was using um custom shop telly and it, the, the high E kept slipping out of the nut and it was just too loose. And I was like, mm-hmm. I got to figure this out. So I like looked into these pedals and got one. I'm like, oh, that works. You know, I don't use it a ton, but it does come in handy. Yeah, I, I've used one before. Let's say I used a Morpheus one, but I know when I was using that, like I could hear like there's like a, a digital sound to it. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. didn't sound natural enough to me, so I quit fucking around with that. And it's, it was a good pedal if you know how to use it, but it was getting more like it was too digitally for me, you know? Yeah, I can. You can definitely tell a difference if you're really listening to it. But I, you know, luckily I've played out with it and with the other sounds in the room and other people playing. Like you can, you basically don't tell, and I can't hear the. There's really hardly any latency there, um, in terms of like the switch over. You know, like obviously if I'm playing by myself in a room, I can kind of hear the notes I'm playing and hear it come out of the speaker, and they're different, and that's weird. But, mm-hmm. um, and again, it's only for certain things. Like I, I probably wouldn't make it a habit of using it on a lot of stuff that I do. This was just out of necessity, where I'm like, ah, oh, this is easy enough to do, and it, it's serving the purpose. And you know, we're just sitting there playing for like two people anyway, so who cares? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so whatever. You know. Yeah, it makes it totally easy to tune down, though. Like, you don't yeah. just sit there and fucking, you just, you know, it's a cool device. And I, you know, I think they revi- revise it every year. So it probably sounds better than one I used back when I used that. I just, uh, I started taking more guitars with me. Just have one. Because <laughs> we played in two different tunings, I think, at that time. I think one was like dad fad tuning, and the oh, other yeah. one was like, uh, I want to say it was like C or something. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I would just have two guitars. I just throw the other one up. That one, I'm not sitting there tuning or anything like that and messing up my intonation. So, yeah, it, it's, you know, and it also, hey, it's an excuse for us to buy new guitars, right? Because, hey, you need one in Open G and you also need one in, in all, you know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> I, it, it's that. It's that eternal, like, well, you know, I don't have a specific guitar that does that one thing that I'll only do one time in my life, but I should probably buy the guitar so I have it. 
Yeah, um, I haven't bought a guitar in like uh, I would say a good six or seven years. My last guitar I bought was another uh, BC Rich, but it was a Warlock, and it was a special edition Warlock that had a little bit of the scale was a little bit longer. So with that guitar there, and it had like a special bridge on there, so I can tune even deeper with that one without it going out of you know fucking it up and all that stuff. So that's the one I'm primarily using right now from doing like recording stuff or whatever, just jamming out in the house. I uh, I, so. When I, I first started playing guitar in the mid '90s, I had an Area Pro Two, and and um, I mean, I played a little bit when I was real little, but that was my first time really getting into it. And in '96, I bought um, a Gibson Nighthawk, which is kind of like almost like a Les Paul, but a thin style, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in '99, I bought a, a Strat, uh, Strat Plus Deluxe. So I had those two guitars from 1999 until um, 2000. So like, I mean, that's like 20 years, right? Like that's right. 20. And in in the th- I still have those guitars, but in the three years since then, I've bought eight or nine guitars. Wow, like, <laughs> nice. Like I, honestly, I went really insane. Like because I sold a lot of stuff off. I sold a lot of other old gear off, and I I was just and I had these like other collectibles that I just I didn't need anymore, so I sold them. But I just started getting back heavily into it because of COVID, you know. And I know the guitar uh, industry boomed during COVID. I know mm-hmm. I'm playing, but like I was just playing a lot more and I was getting more into like YouTube and watching reviews and other things. And I was like, you know, I've never had a Les Paul. Let's get a Les Paul. I've never had a Tele. Let's get a Tele. Like I've never had this. Let's get it. And I just, dude, I went crazy. And I mean, thank God my wife is still with me. <laughs> you know, every once in a while, like even dude, a couple of weeks ago, I, I ended up buying a Silver Sky because I really do like those guitars and I like a Strat. I mean, I love a lot of different guitars, but I, I if I was going to collect just one style of guitar, I could collect Strats all day. And mm-hmm. I played one and I, I really liked the feel and the sound of it. I thought it was different than my other Strats. And I do like John Mayer, but at the same time, I just love that style guitar and they sound great. I love the pickups. So I ended up getting a, a, a basically brand new guitar, but for a used price. Um but yeah, it came in the mail, and you know, my wife's just shaking her head, and I'm just like, sorry. Like I just, I, but I gotta, I gotta slow it down. I mean, it's just ridiculous to this point. I can't, you know, I, I just, I have plenty of of everything. So you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not needing anything. It's always just a, a want and desire, and then I just end up doing it. And I'm like, ugh, what am I doing to myself? Right, I, I totally feel that. Like right now for me, that's pedals. Like I, I'm, I'm trying to calm down on that stuff. Like, like I said, like I see a new pedal out there, I want. I'm like, God damn it, it's how much? I'm like, oh well, I can maybe get that. Let's see. And like then I get the damn thing. And I use it for like a couple times, and I'm back to my older pedals I've been using. You know? <laughs> yeah, I I have definitely started amassing some pedals too. And I mean, I'm slower than I have been with the guitars, but still, I, I probably have. Like again, pre 2020, I think I had maybe three pedals, and now I have probably 12. So it's like yeah, I definitely bought a bunch of, maybe a little bit less than them. Kind of looking around here, with looking at them. But the one thing I did sell, I, I don't necessarily regret, but part of me does is early on um, during all this of buying and selling, I did sell my original Deluxe Memory Man that I had. I mean, it's the original like plug-in small oh. one, but. Mm-hmm. I had had it for years and I loved it, but something was wonky on it. I had to send it back to them. Um, something, one of the switches went, I don't know, remember what it was. This was like 20 plus years ago. And I sent it back to them and they fixed it and sent it back to me. And for whatever reason, it was never quite the same after that. So I just, I never, I didn't take to it as much. So I ended up selling it you know, a couple of years ago and 
I got a really good price for it. I mean, I, I got way more than I, well, not way more, maybe almost double what I paid for it, which is pretty awesome. Almost double, maybe 50% more, but, um, I tend to hold on to things. I don't tend to sell like a lot of stuff. I mean, the gear I ended up selling was just stuff that I really didn't need anyway that I had accumulate over the years, but there's m- most of the time, especially guitars, I end up just holding on to. So it's like, I gotta be careful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely an addiction and stuff. And, uh, kind of right now what i'm you know besides doing like the synth keyboard stuff i'm big into like virtual reality stuff like when it comes to like uh playstation vr2 so i done dropped a bunch of money on that and because the horror games like the new resident evil and virtual reality is fucking amazing yeah i uh my son's got an oculus and he's been getting into certain things and um i have not even attempted because i know if i go down that rabbit hole like it's over and then I'm not getting anything done. So I, I'm like, I kind of hold myself back. I mean, I'm, I look, I mean, it, it's, if it's something I really want to try out, I would. And it's not that I don't, it's just, I'm not drawn to it. So I'm not gonna, and then I, I'm like, I don't want to even get tempted. You know what I mean? It's almost like, eh, I'm good. If I start really looking into it, I know where my mind goes and it, it's next thing, you know, boxes will just be flooding our, our, porch and my wife's gonna be like what the hell are you doing you know and i mean it's fine i mean it, it's you know she's very supportive but i just don't need more stuff I, I actually between guitars and i also uh i i love whiskey so i collect that quite a bit and i've been trying to like you know slow that down because you can only have so much i mean it's just it's 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 endless it's just like anything you know new stuff's coming out all the time it's always exclusive and it's like right. I, I don't go chasing it really to be honest i'm not like out there like camping out i'm not paying crazy secondary prices but if i can get some any a lot of the stuff i like is readily available anyway like i love some of the other stuff but like i'm not gonna sit there and like camp out overnight to get something it's just crazy to me like a bottle of whiskey it's like whatever mm-hmm. um but i i mean i have a movie theater room so i've gone crazy with the equipment there and i'm looking at upgrading and and switching stuff out so now you go on the rabbit hole of all these other things i'm like oh, oh yeah <laughs> so much so much it is so much shit to do and like so little time, you know, like we keep getting older so much faster. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> it's true. It's so true. Yeah. Well, Ben, this has been fucking great talking with you, man. We should definitely do this again. Maybe deep dive on something down the line, you know, some weird movie you both like. That'd be cool. Oh, yeah, man. That, that'd be great. It was fun hanging out with you and chatting. It was, it was good. Oh, yeah. And, uh, chatting music and horror, that's always like a plus in my book. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Same here. Excellent, Ben. Well, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend, man, and uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good, man. Take care. Take care. Thanks.